leading us in worship. Isn't it great that we can start the year off? Ooh, this is loud, Steve. With a loud microphone. <laughs> Isn't it great that we can start the year off on, on the 2nd of January, worshiping God and, and praising His name and coming together as His people? Wonderful stuff. Let's just pray as we turn to Acts chapter 18. Father God, thank you that you are in this place. Lord Jesus, thank you that, that you have been with us this morning, that you are with us always. And Lord, I want to pray that now as we look and explore your word here in, in Acts, Father, I just pray that, that you would open up the depths of your wisdom to us. Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes, that we would see what you have to say. Lord Jesus, that you would open our ears, that, that it would settle into our ears and our hearts and our minds. Father, would you change us through your word? And would you speak through me, I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. This week, uh, for those of you that don't usually come to this church, or those of you who have been hiding under a rock, we've got the family festival. And it's great, exciting stuff. And and you know, it got me thinking to oh, a, a beach mission, a family festival kind of thing that I ran must be 15 years ago in a little town of Kiama in New South Wales. Beautiful place. You know Kiama? Ah, oh, heaven on earth, apart from Golden Bay. <laughs> now, the reason I remember that particular beach mission is because it was one of those few times when I had one of the children out of the blue come up to me and say, yeah, I want to become a Christian, Nick. Wow. That doesn't hop happen very often, does it? I mean, how many here have actually had that opportunity of somebody coming to you and saying, I, I want to know more about Jesus? I'm hoping, I'm praying that all of you have that experience. But, but you know, it, it, sometimes it's easy to get discouraged. Because sometimes it seems like there's a whole lot of work that goes into things and we don't see much fruit. We don't see much results. I was talking with, uh, with Reg the other day about this and we were saying how, how wonderful it is to, to hear years down the track how something that, that, that you thought was nothing meant so much to somebody else. A Sunday school class uh, and um, I think that was what we were talking about and and somebody comes and says, you know, I taught you Sunday school. And I'm so happy to see that you are still a Christian and that you are strong in the faith. Encouraging news. This morning we, we are continuing our, our three-year-long series through the book of Acts. Uh, the month of January has, for the last three years, been Acts. And over that time, we've, we've eventually made our way to Acts chapter 18. And Paul's second missionary journey. Um, I'm sure you can all remember, if you come to the church, you can remember last year we finished Acts chapter 17, Paul in Athens, great time. Seared on your memory, that sermon, I'm sure. And we left Paul, uh, just for those of you who don't remember, he's got this great sermon in Athens where he stands up and he raises his hand and he, he tries to defend the faith to the Athenians. And some of them say, wow, we want to hear more about this, Paul. But a lot of them are just, Meh. Paul Schmall, Jesus Schmeezes, let's go somewhere else. 
And we find him today in Acts chapter 18, leaving Athens and walking, what's it, a hundred kilometers or so from Athens to the city of Corinth. Not a small city, Corinth. Um, They reckon that at the height of its population, it had about uh, 750,000 people. Um, At this stage, probably around 200,000 people, which is a huge city for ancient times. You know, the city of Corinth is a fascinating place historically. It was raised in about 146 BC um, by Claudius Maximus because the Corinthians had taken part in an uprising against Caesar and blah, blah, blah. And then in 46 BC, I think, Julius Caesar came along and he said, right, I'm going to rebuild the city of Corinth and it's it's going to become a, a, a little Rome in Achaia, which is basically Greece. It's going to become a Roman city. And he sent all sorts of, of, of Roman ex-soldiers and veterans and, and colonists to take up residence there. And, and the city of Corinth flourished. Uh, it's, it's beautifully located, Corinth. It's, it's right in the middle of a, a sort of a, a, a narrow passage between two seas. And so you've got goods traveling across Corinth from sea to sea. There's actually a canal that they've dug there now. And you can also have goods traveling north and south from the Middle East up to, um, well, not from the Middle East, but but from the south up to the north. It's a busy place, Corinth. And a lot of people got very rich. And here's Paul traveling from, what is it? It's it's the northwest to Corinth from Athens. And I suspect that as Paul was traveling to Corinth, he was feeling a little bit down in the dumps. If you get some time, read through, well, Acts chapter 1 to 17, but but chapter 16 and 17, and, and you'll read about the things that Paul had been enduring. He'd had this vision calling him to go and share the gospel in Macedonia and And all that he'd got as he did this was some response with persecution. And everywhere he went into the three towns, he was was hounded. He was attacked. He was dragged before authorities. He was thrown out of the town, basically. In fact, all three of the Macedonian towns that he'd gone into, including Athens, he left on a sour note. He left Athens with, with people just sort of dismissively saying, well, that's nice for you, Paul, but not for us. And here is Paul, who was on fire, who thought, God wants me to take the message of the gospel to Macedonia. Good stuff. But I suspect by chapter 18, he is just slightly down in the dumps. What's the point of it being God? Everywhere I go, yeah, there's a little bit of results, but it's just been so hard. You know, it was about this journey to Corinth that Paul would write to the Corinthians later, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2 to 3, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with fear and trembling. That's 1 Corinthians 2, verses 2 and 3. Says Paul, as he reflects on this journey to Corinth, I came to you in weakness, with trembling and fear. 
And I've got to ask myself, what was it that made this great apostle, this preacher of the good news, afraid to go to Corinth? And I think maybe it's got something to do with the kind of place Corinth was. Corinth was, well, it was a place where people had a lot of pride. You know how you go to some really wealthy people, well off, everything's going well in their life, and you try and tell them that they need a savior, and they look at you and they say, no thanks, God, it's sorted here, everything's okay. I mean, Corinth had wealth, they had culture, they had a temple to the great goddess Aphrodite in their their place. They they had um, uh, their equivalent of the Olympic Games, the Isthmian Games, every two years. they, They were a proud city, a proud people who wouldn't put up with an upstart coming and telling them that they were wrong in what they believed. But I think the other reason, maybe the the bigger reason that Paul was worried about going to Corinth was because of the name that Corinth had. You know, um, if if I were to come and say, Joe Bloggs, you are a Corinthian. Or Mary Jane, you are a Corinthian. I'd probably get slapped or punched or worse. Uh, Back in those days, to be uh, the word Corinthian was basically a slang term for saying, you are as loose as, uh, I don't know, something very loose. You are a loose person. You are an immoral person. They were, they were known for being this, this totally debauched city. And Paul's going to them and saying, I want to tell you the truth, and I want to change your lives around so that you follow Jesus. And by the way, the way you're living has got to change. And people don't tend to take very kindly to that. You know, uh, I thought about this and I thought, isn't Corinth so similar to us today? Isn't it the case that that in many Muslim countries, the West, the so-called Christian West, is, is seen as debauched? To call someone a Westerner is to say, oh, you are a moral cesspit. Paul was afraid to go into Corinth. Should we be afraid to to step outside that door if we are going to share the gospel with people? expect that it'll be difficult to share the gospel. That people won't want to hear the gospel. And maybe like Paul, will we make our way out of the door this afternoon slightly discouraged? What's the point? And you know, just to make matters worse for poor old Paul, he's, he's worried about this place which is going to be He's, he's sure he's going to be anti his message. It's, it's a dodgy place to go to. But to make, uh, and uh, the results in Macedonia have been pretty bad for him up till then. But poor Paul, the, the thing which I think just sealed it for him was that he is making this journey from Athens to Corinth all by himself. His traveling companions, Silas and Timothy, he'd left behind in the Macedonian churches so that they could, could help, him out, help him out by, by raising those churches up because he had had to go. 
and yet Paul is all alone. But I love verse 2. He gets to Corinth, and what does he find? He finds Aquila and Priscilla there to meet him. Very mobile couple, uh, old Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, they come originally from, um, from Pontius, which is on the southern shore of the, the Black Sea, and, and they'd moved from there to Rome, and, and when they were in Rome, they'd been expelled from Rome, and then they went to Corinth, and it, we'll see next time that eventually they made their way to Ephesus, and you go to Romans chapter 16, and you see that, that Aquila and Priscilla end up back in Rome. But the great thing is that when Paul gets to Corinth, he's got these Christians there to meet him. Just a side note, the the, the reason they were expelled from Rome, there's actually historical data back there that says that, uh, I think, I forget who the emperor was, he expelled the Jews from Rome because there had been riots and all sorts of nasty business happening among the Jews because of some guy called Christus. That's spelled C-H-R-E. S2S, which is very similar to Christos, like Christus Christos. And, and people reckon that the reason there was this disturbance among the Jews in Rome because there were some people coming in saying, let me introduce you to Christ, the Messiah. And as usually happens when you go and say, let me introduce you to Christ, the Messiah, there are some that say, wonderful, and others that say, get out and we'll burn you down. And, and so there's turmoil in Rome. And it's a terrible thing, I'm sure, for Aquila and Priscilla that, that, that as they accept Jesus, they are forced out of their home and they have to go far away to Corinth. Must have seemed like a terrible thing for them. But unbeknownst to them, God was actually through this terrible expulsion from Rome, sending them to Corinth so that they could be an encouragement to Paul. You see, when Paul came to Rome, I, I, I'm pretty sure he, he had no more money left. Missions work is not cheap. <laughs> Living is not cheap. And what does he do? He gets there and he finds a couple of Christians. What are the chances in a city of 200,000? Finds a couple of Christians. Goes and meets them. They are in the same job as he is in. They give him a job. They give him a place to live. They, they provide for his needs. And this is God just saying, Paul, you know, you might be a bit discouraged, but, but mate, I've, I've got you covered. I'm going to provide some people who are going to be there for you. And I think for us, one of the lessons we can draw from this is, is just how important it is as Christians to have other Christians around us. If Paul hadn't met up with Aquila and Priscilla, I don't know what he would have done. They provided work and encouragement so that he could keep on every Sabbath day sharing the gospel news. They supported him with a job. I mean, such a practical way of supporting people. This gets me thinking, it's one of the reasons why we support our chaplains in the local schools. Because theirs is a hard job and, and we can help them out as Christian brothers and sisters. And it's not so much the church in Corinth helping them out. There was no church. It was just a couple of Christians. 
deciding that they would show their love for Jesus by loving Paul. What does Jesus say? By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, says Aquila and Priscilla. We are here against our wishes, but we can use that to serve Paul and through him to serve our city. And we read there in verse 4 that every Sabbath day, Paul is in the synagogue and he's preaching to the Jews and he's preaching to the Greeks and, and, and he's working the rest of the week, just sort of, you know, working enough to get by so that he can go to the Sabbath day and he can preach again to the people and, and insert the name of Jesus into the conversations and into the sermon. But it must still have been tough for him. He was doing two jobs. He was burning the candle at both ends. And then we read again uh, some more encouragement from God, Silas and Timothy arrive, and, and actually we, we read in 2 Corinthians eleven nine 9 that, that it's not just Silas and Timothy arrive, but, but they bring with them a gift from the Macedonian churches. And here they come, and, and Paul's been slaving away, and all of a sudden God says, Bleh. all that money, Paul, stop working, devote yourself entirely to the good news. I mean, what an encouragement for Paul. Those, those churches in Macedonia where he'd left and he thought, oh, what a waste. This. I was thrown out of town. What's the point? And all of a sudden, they are providing for him so that he can reach Corinth. Amazing stuff. It's like, like a shot in the arm for Paul when Silas and Timothy arrived and, and the Macedonians gave him that gift. Um. Let me encourage you. Uh, over Christmas, we collected some money for um, Daniel and Katie over in Bulgaria. C- can I tell you that we collected just under $1,500 for them? And we can encourage them in such a practical way. We can, they, they, they sent back an email and they said, wow, thank you so much. Brilliant stuff. But what happens in Corinth? Verse 6, verse 7 of chapter 18. Paul's preaching in the synagogue, not just every day, not just every Sabbath, but every day. And, and as usual, when he preaches... He gets opposition. So much so that, that basically he's forced to leave the synagogue. The Jews don't want him there anymore. And, and, and if I was Paul, I would be thinking, oh, here we go. It's happening again. Everything is turning down. And he's not only opposed, he's insulted. And he, he leaves and he shakes the dust of the synagogue off his clothes and he says, Right, I've warned you, be on your own head now. I'm going to the Greeks. And I just love God's sense of humor, isn't it? Because he says to them, right, Jews aren't going to take it in enough. I'm going to give up on you guys. I'm going to go to the other guys. And then he goes and he finds this Titius uh, Justice just across the street from the synagogue. And he sets a place there. And before he's even left the synagogue just about, here comes Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his whole family, Jews elite, and they say, right, now that you've left us, Paul, I, I think we'd like to become Christians. 
Wonderful. What an encouragement for Paul. He says, I'm giving up on you guys. And straight away they turn in and say, well, I think God's got other plans, Paul. And because of this Crispus and, and, and I'm sure he's, he's coming to Jesus, just the news and the good news spreads and takes a root in Corinth and the church begins to grow. And things start looking positive and, and things start looking like, like it's going to be a wonderful place to share the gospel. But then we come again to verse 9, and, and despite these positive signs, we, we hear God giving Paul a vision. And you know, when somebody says to you, don't be afraid, <laughs> it kind of implies that you're shaking in your boots. Despite Crispus coming to faith, despite the encouragement of Aquila and Priscilla, despite the encouragement of Silas and Timothy and, and the Macedonian churches sending him a gift, Despite all of this, Paul is still afraid. He's still finding it a, a difficult place to share the gospel. I mean, the important people in Corinth, isn't this the tent maker? And the Jews in Corinth, isn't this the heretic? You know, as I, as I think about fear, as we think about fear in our own lives, what does it do to us? When we're afraid of something, doesn't it freeze us, immobilize us, keep us still, keep us from moving forward, keep us from making progress, holds us captive, stops us doing what we should do? I said earlier that, that Corinth was very similar to today and, and I wondered whether we would be afraid as we left the church this, this morning. Because the gospel is not going to receive a good audience. And you know, it must have been tempting for Paul to just think, well, you know, I'll, I'll back off on some of the harsher aspects of the gospel. I'll, I'll stop speaking about this, this side of the gospel. I'll, I'll emphasize grace and I'll ignore everything else. What does Maltman say? Uh, not Maltman, Bonhoeffer. He says, forgiveness, uh, I'll teach forgiveness without requiring repentance. Uh, I'll, I'll teach communion without confession. I'll say that you can be set right with God without requiring you to confess. I'll teach all the nice God stuff and leave aside the fact that, that there's a reason why grace is so wonderful. Because it's undeserved. Because what we deserve is so much worse. You know, Paul could have done away with his fear by, by refusing to speak out against the sins in Corinth. And refusing to challenge people to change their lives and follow Christ. We, we can so easily make the gospel palatable to the world and say it's good news and, and you don't need to change anything and, and just carry on living your life, but, but have Jesus as your friend. Woohoo! And we need to say that, but, 
But if we're going to preach the gospel, we need to preach the whole gospel. We need to share the whole gospel. The good news is only good news, as I've said, because, because of what it costs. And in verse 9 to 10, God turns to Paul and he says to him, what does he say here? He says, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, don't be afraid. Speak out, don't be silent. For I am with you. No one will attack or harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. John chapter 16, Jesus says something similar to his disciples. He says, take heart because I have overcome the world. Do not be afraid because I have overcome the world. Says Jesus, Paul, I'm with you. And what's more, I've, I've actually got a plan for you to be here in Corinth. And Paul, you've got to know that, that, that you're not here without a reason. Because there are lots of people in this city who belong to me. And I will keep you safe because you are going to introduce them to me. You're not wasting your time, Paul. You might be afraid, but you're not wasting your time. Don't stop speaking. You know, reading Paul, one of the reasons he eventually goes to meet with the disciples in Jerusalem because he, he wanted to make sure that he hadn't been wasting his time, that, that he'd been speaking the truth. And God comes to him here and he says, Paul, I'm with you. And I'm going to do great things here because of you. And, and the church in Corinth became a wonderful church. Became a terrible church. <laughs> Lots of troubles in Corinth. But it became a living, thriving church. In fact, it's a church that's still there today. But what about God's promise to Paul? God says to him, Paul, don't worry, you're going to be safe here. I'm with you. I've got lots of people here. Is that something that we can claim as our own? Can we say, wherever we go, wherever we share the gospel, God's going to be with us and nobody can stand against us and, and we will survive and we will overcome because God is with us. And no hardship will stand against us. Just look at Paul's life. Shipwrecks and beatings and stonings and all sorts of things. This is not a once for all promise. This is a promise to Paul in Corinth that God had a plan and a purpose for him. doesn't mean that God won't promise the same thing to us, but it's not something we can presume on. But there is an encouragement for us here. Because you know, when we walk outside those doors this morning and we start interacting with, with non-Christians around us and we start living out the good news and we start speaking the good news of Jesus to them and, and sharing what He's meant for us in our lives and, and encouraging them to turn to Him, you know, when we do that, we are not the missionaries. I think what God says to Paul applies to us. God says... I have many people in this place. I am the missionary 
in other words, says God. You, we are just the workers. God is the one who brings his people in. God is the one whose word brings salvation. We've got that great ending to to our passage this morning where God has promised and said to Paul, Paul, you know what? You're going to be safe here. Things are going to go great here. There's going to be a great church here. I've got lots of people here. And a little while later, we get this, this new governor, Gallio, coming across. And, and there's been a change in leadership in the synagogue. Obviously, Crispus has been kicked out. He's now a Christian. Sosthenes is the, the head honcho at the synagogue. And, and he and a bunch of Jews get together and they, they grab Paul and they drag him to Gallio's court. And they say to Gallio, right, let's deal with this bloke now because he has been teaching people wrong ways to worship God. And Paul must have been sitting there going, oh, not again. I've had this before in the other cities in this part of the world. They're going to beat me up. They're going to throw me in jail. They're going to do something nasty to me. And he gets ready to stand up and and defend himself against the accusations. And he sort of opens his mouth (laughs) And Gallio says, right, shut up, go away. Had enough of that. Not even going to bother with this stuff. I mean, how is that for God's promise coming true? God says, you're not going to face any opposition. I've got a plan and a purpose for you. And you know what? For, for like a hundred years after that, this, this precedent set at Corinth gave, gave Christians the right to share the gospel in Roman places. Wow. bit strange the beating up of Sosthenes at the end there. Don't know who beat him up. Uh, some people reckon it was the Greeks who decided they're going to bash some Jews when Galileo was, was seeming to be against them. Other people reckon it was the Jews who actually turned on Sosthenes and said, right, make a fool of us in front of the Romans, will you? I'm going to sort you out. We don't actually know, but I suspect it's possible that, that Sosthenes actually became a Christian. Because 1 Corinthians is written from Paul and from Sosthenes. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Speculation, we'll ask him one day, shall we? You know, I think the story of of Acts chapter 18 is the story of how God provides encouragement to those who are doing his work. I think it's, it's a lesson to us that, that when God sends us into the world, and Jesus has sent all of us into the world, we will not lack his support. Yes, it might be difficult. Yes, maybe sometimes we will fear opening our mouths. But God is the missionary. God has a plan and a purpose. God is with us. And God uses us. He uses us to encourage one another in practical ways. Maybe opening up our home to someone. Helping the chaplains. God uses us in in financial ways to, to support missionaries far away. 
God uses us to, to speak to the population. You know, God even uses us becoming Christians. Old Christmas becomes a Christian, and then the church explodes. It doesn't do much. He just becomes a Christian. Whatever happens, God is at work, and His Word is alive, and is reaching into society. And I want to challenge all of us today with, with God's promise to Paul, and, and I want to claim it for us this morning. Do not be afraid. Speak out. Do not be silent, for I am with you all. Amen, Steve. Thank you very much, uh, Nick. Uh, <clears throat> great uh, news from the world.